Hello and welcome to Psychological Safety in Teams podcast series with me, your host, Sheila Wherry, in which we hear insights and tips from leaders on how they and the teams they're a part of are creating a psychologically safe and high-performing environment. It is my aim to illuminate ways for you to increase your own levels of psychological safety in teams and how you can set up the conditions for others to do the same. I hope you enjoy the discussions. Hello and welcome to the Psychological Safety Podcast. Um, And I'm delighted to have with me today, Phil Diver. Phil is the CEO of the Construction Training Centre and has been since 2006 when he was asked to bring his management experience to fulfil the founder's vision of a relevant, sustainable and fully occupied training hub that the Construction Training Centre is today. Phil is a person of vision and is committed to developing a business model that continues to deliver value to the industry. He spearheaded CTC's Wholehearted You initiative, which promotes wellness in the workplace. He is particularly passionate about the business philosophy of collaborative consumption, mindfulness at work, corporate social responsibility, and Eastern philosophy in a Western business practice. Recently, he has dipped his toe into the waters of psychological safety after being encouraged by my good self to read The Fearless Organisation. Phil is an unashamed scanner. He is interested in rugby, movies and music, and he winds down with lead lighting, tai chi and sessions in a float tank. Phil, you and I have known each other for, what, 18 years? And firstly, it is a long time, firstly as a client and now I would like to say as a friend and a fellow explorer in the world of psychological safety. So I'm hugely excited and um, really pleased to welcome you to the podcast. Me too. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks, Phil. And as you know, um, and for the purpose of the listeners, the purpose of this podcast is to really hear from leaders on the steps that they're taking to cultivate psychological safety in teams. So, Phil, I'm wondering to start the conversation, uh, would be useful to define psychological safety for you? What does it mean to you? And what does it mean? You know, why is it important? Um, it's a really difficult thing to do because there's so much involved. But I, if I had to distill it down, I would say uh, finding and giving voice for me would be the, the essence of psychological safety. And it's important to me because I have my son is a redhead. Now, the relevance of that is if you look at the spectrum of psychological safety so in, in an organisation, the, the continuum, if you like, at one end you get psychological safety. And I think at the other end of that, you get um, psychopath culture and psychopath leadership. And um, I heard this stat the other day, which really alarmed me. You're more likely to work in an organisation with a psychopath than you are with a redhead. Which really scared me because psychopaths at the end of the spectrum, not somewhere in between where you get some sort of intellectual stagnation or timid cultures so that's why i think it's like immensely important and in in doing that in working to bring voice and give people the opportunity to express in your team what are you finding that's working what can you share with us in terms of what's working to cultivate psychological safety in your team and in your organization well i have to fess up because as you said at the start i'm kind of new to this 
And we started with uh, well-being and things like that. I thought it was a, like a nice bolt-on to what we're doing. So we're kind of a kind and compassionate organization. Why don't we do some stuff around well-being and, and happiness? And then I sort of discovered that there was probably a missing ingredient. If we hadn't actually put the fruit in the in the Christmas cake, and we were sort of icing it at the top with a bit of you know well-being mm. and mindfulness center and and a gym and all and a sleep center and all that kind of stuff. And there I was, that some of the fruit wasn't actually even in the mix. And the fruit of that is psychological safety. So we're only partway there. The the, the cake hasn't been baked. This is, I think, a quite a complex thing to do. So we decided to do it through a change management process rather than going, oh, this is like important to do. We didn't really do a lot of change management around the, the, the well-being stuff. It was just like it was a bolt-on, you know, who's not going to like well-being, who's not going to like going to sleep for 20 minutes a day uh, when they're a bit tired in our room. Um, so we're actually going through a process of doing that. So we're probably only at about stage two which is implementation and really just doing the groundwork for people to actually understand and accept this is a new part of our culture. So, um, and it's kind of oscillates. It's some days we seem to be doing quite well and other days we sort of catch ourselves out going, oh, was that as kind of safe as we, you know, would, would espouse to be under, under this concept of psychological safety. It's a very dynamic process, isn't it? It is. And what's really interesting about culture to me is to move from a good culture to a bad one is extremely quick. You can you can run it through a massive organization about three months, but to go from a bad culture to a good one is actually really quite hard to to effect that change. Yeah. Now, I haven't yeah. done a lot of research into why that might be, but it just seems um, so it's so important. We're actually taking our time on this one. So there's a lot of kind of prep work going on particularly in our organisation because the, the, we're such a small organisation, but the ones at the head of it are sort of looked up to as though we've got all the answers and it's like, man, we have so few of the answers. Yeah. It's our people who are more at the shop floor already have the answers and trying to invert that psychology so that they come up with the solutions and we just give them the resources. It's still a work in progress. Yeah, yeah. So I'm hearing you move away from that leader-led um, hub and spoke style of leadership to much more of an inclusive style. Yeah. And then when, when people say, well, what should I do in this situation? I go, well, what, what do you think you should do? Yeah. And that's great. But they go, well, we, we actually were coming to you for like an instant answer. Yeah. Do this, do that. And still some of the teams still want to be at your, this, the natural default is still that. We have to kind of go, well, let, let's, but sometimes it's kind of almost, it's critical, you know, we've got to do it quickly and we've got to kind of step back from that and go, yeah. well, let's just allow them to actually come up with something that, because our solutions are not going to be that crash hot, to be honest. So what I'm hearing is the sort of the early stages for you is about raising awareness and and really bringing it to the fore for your leaders to, to support them in understanding the benefits and, and bringing psychological safety alive. What does it mean? And what does mm. it mean to them as leaders? And how do they need to start thinking about changing their behaviours? Yeah, but the other thing we're trying to do is, we, because we're on a precinct here as a landlord, and we've got about 40 tenants, what we're trying to do is to see if we can actually share some of those ideas with our tenants as well, so that they start to see some benefit in that. So how do we, how do we live and breathe it in a way that people can actually pick that up, see the examples of that? 
Well, you know what really excites me about that, Phil, is what I'm hearing there is it's not just focusing in on your team, but you're actually focusing on your stakeholders, on your on the people around you. It's much more of a systems approach, which in my world really supports uh, long lasting change. It's not sort of focusing in, but focusing across. Um, yeah, yeah, fantastic. So in terms, you know, and interestingly, one thing I should say is you say that you're at early stages, but what I know about you is when you pick something up and start running with it, you know, you and I had a conversation, what, maybe a month ago, and I talked about the the fearless organization. And then it was about a week or two later, there was a a visual on LinkedIn. um, And there's been various visuals that you've created, or posts that you've created since. So you've certainly started to live and breathe it very quickly to role model it yourself. (laughs) <laughs> oh no, not another tangent. But it's funny because uh, we have been on a lot of tangents here, but this isn't a tangent, and this is why we're kind of taking it slower. Um, although it might look like I've gone 120%, and I probably have, but it's important to to say this one's this one. Th- and there are some things we've done in this organisation that we've started, and and some team members have thought, well, I'll, I'll kind of hang out. I'll, I'll walk along with it, but I won't totally engage with it because I know that if I if I travel too far with this, you know, when Phil turns around and goes the opposite direction, you know, that's a lot of wasted energy. But there are some things that we're stuck at in this organisation, and this will be one of them. So that's why um, on the face of it appears like there's a lot of stuff. But we had to set we had to set the scene. I mean, it's a it's a hard thing. If you'd asked me this a year ago, I would have thought it was about mental health first aid, and it's got very little to do with mental health first aid in a way. I mean, mental health first aid might be the, the ambulance at the bottom of an unpsychologically safe cliff, but mm. it's 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 really way different than that. Yeah, yeah. But it links in very well, I think, with the other work that you've been doing around well-being. You know, in, in my world, mm. uh, to the sort of vision of having a psychologically safe workplace means that people can't that the human connection is there if people feel safe to take risks to to speak up then they are much more likely to feel connected as humans which then supports them in feeling um, engaged at work feeling resilient feeling connected and so on absolutely and um it's it's a if you look at and we've done a lot of stuff like work-life balance and that kind of stuff and and the science of happiness and all this kind of stuff that we're trying to implement here but if you're not happy at work because you feel uh, controlled or you don't feel you have control of a process from start to to end end, or you're overly criticized or you're scared to speak up or when you do speak up your ideas are kind of ridiculed or people roll their eyes or whatever it is if you're the ugly baby in the room you're not likely to be happy and, and the idea that you can be happy at home and, and you know, unhappy at work, it, it, that's not the way it works. It's a, there's an absolutely permeable membrane between the work and the, and the outer work. So if we're wanting to actually say to people, we want you to be happy, then we have to create an environment in the workplace that creates the happiness. And psychological safety is the bedrock of that. And there's no point in saying, you know, we're going to give you some tickets to go to the cinema on the weekend mm. we would just smash the hell out of you at work and, and thought your ideas were crazy and we told you so yeah. um, or you didn't even feel confident to participate in the team but you know it was a lovely movie in the weekend before the cinema you know with our free tickets from ctc you're complaining to your partner about the fact that no one listens to you at work i mean seriously what sort of experience is that yeah absolutely 
Um, and I was just going to make the point that uh, even before your sort of, if you're before you start thinking about can I take this risk or even having an internal conversation about I don't feel safe, the stage before that in my mind is to focus purely on impression management, you know, to to make sure that my my focus is on looking good, on not saying anything that I'm that's going to be yeah. perceived as stupid. And that's that's really not going to get us very far either, is it? In terms Absolutely. of results yeah. and, and so on. So Given that you've you've given this a lot of thought and started to make some some inroads, what would you say uh, for the listeners in terms of one thing that's really working for you so far? Um, what's working so far is uh, owning up to mistakes. So we we are getting way better at that. Um, so I, I just. I know my bad, the, the phrase is kind of, you know, it's probably had its day and people have moved on, but it's such a useful phrase to actually to, to actually say my bad because it, it's, it's kind of in some ways laced whether you can admit my bad and then move on. Mm. Um, now, you know, if you've done something horrendous and you just say my bad thinking that's enough of, of a I'm sorry to get you out of trouble, no, but... Um, we, we've got way better at doing that. And and that started with, I make so many stuff ups, it's not funny, um, just because of the speed at which I work and my randomness. So the ability to actually own those, and then that gives people permission, if you like, to start owning their own. And, and we are getting far better at that. Because we're sort of, the, it goes with just culture as well. So if, the, if people see that there is a... Um, kind of a rational and compassionate response to somebody who admits a mistake or they've done something wrong you get we get way more near misreports than we did previously and and that's really useful in an organization because just based on the swiss cheese thing i mean you're going to if you're if you're missing the near misses because you're not analyzing where they're happening then you're going to end up with one that goes right through the swiss cheese and you get you know, a catastrophic thing at the end of it. But if you're facing up and say, actually, I did this, but we caught it early, then that's a way that's way safer from a kind of a workplace health and safety point of view. So we, we've got way better at that. And if I can have a crack at two, I know you've given me one, but I'm, we're getting better at listening. How are you recognising that? How are you recognising that you're getting better at listening? Just in our, it, we've talked about in our team meetings where there's much less emphasis on uh, the senior managers doing the talking and then where we are letting people kind of finish sentences before that brilliant idea that I've just had that whatever you said reminded me of and I just can't wait and when they pause for breath you jump in so we, we're noticing that um, but we're, we're using a technique as well um, which hopefully some of us I'm a terrible listener really I, it's not well I think I'm a bad listener. If I want to listen intently, I've got to doodle. But that's not a fantastic sign to give to your people. It looks like you're, um, you know, not listening at all. Um, so we, we just use a technique, uh, a breathwork technique, uh, which is proving helpful so far. Are you happy to share that? Well, it's just you don't concentrate on listening, concentrate on breathing. So in the same way that if you were, say, maybe doing mindfulness meditation, we're just focusing on breath, particularly the, 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 the heat of your breath around your nostrils, if you just concentrate on that, 
And the research shows that you will be judged by the person who's talking as being a really intense listener. And I think that that you can't be psychologically safe if you're not an intense listener. If it, I, I don't see how you can do it. I think that's one of the fundamental ingredients to psychological safety. So just breath work, just concentrate on your breath. What a great breath. suggestion. What a great suggestion. It's one of the few things that I've, um, you know, it's like such a simple tool that is so effective. Yeah, it really is. Thank you for sharing that. Put that in volume of your book. Absolutely, yes. Um, In terms of, have you noticed anything, Bill, that isn't working or that is uh, is a work in progress? Oh, um, absolute uh, linear um, implementation or success. So we we are catching we are catching ourselves falling back, and we're doing that. It, it's strange. It's almost like in psychological safety, if if situations are kind of just ticking along, it's kind of easy to be psychologically safe in a way. It's when we come under stress, and I think that happens with a lot of things. What sort of personality am I? The personality you really are is the personality you are under stress, mm-hmm. because it will magnify any of those little um, fissures that you might have. So we're kind of noticing that we're under a little bit of stress at the moment with some two concurrent legal actions against us um and that is making us pretty stressed it's almost like we go yeah i know we're psychologically safe but this is stressful so we almost we get it give ourselves an out at times to stray from that but in fact you're either psychologically safe or you're not you're not half pregnant Uh, and i think that's that's a little tested for us i don't think we're you know i wouldn't like Sometimes I think we'd mark ourselves a little poorly on that. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, I would say it is so dynamic that I mm. think you can step in and out of it so easily. Uh, so it's, I think some of the work around you're doing around, um, you know, working agreements or what, what, what can we call on this team? What can we call on this team to do or the way to behave when you're in a high stake situation? might be something to uh, to support there and actually, you know, agree it as a team and put it up on the wall as a as a visual, as a reminder when you are in those situations. Yeah, so we had a situation recently where um, somebody's suing us and um, it came to light. So all of a sudden, you know, we've, we've flicked, flicked into, you know, two people just going into absolute mode of smashing out some policies and procedures and, mm-hmm. and safe work method statements and standard operating procedures and that. And that looks the complete opposite of what we're working on the rest of the time, which is bringing everyone together, working through and asking people, not only our own people, but people in, in our broader campus, what would work. So we were just going to like smash out these things and put some posters up and man, that was it, you know, and then start writing stuff in tenancy agreements. I'm thinking, and that's because we kind of got blinded to the thing and because we're under crisis, we had to do this quickly. Whereas if we just do it slower and um, just savour savour the the thing in a way, you know, like let's just savour the food rather than just gulping it down and just getting a quick solution out. So, yeah. Work in progress. 
what I'm hearing there is uh, dialogic practices, starting to really think about how can we have generative dialogue? How can we move mm. from sort of the ping pong of debate and, uh, you know, my way is the right way to actually pausing, actively listening and considering the other's perspective, suspending your own judgment for a second. Um, as you say, it's so easy to go straight to that sort of debate mode and uh, to get, you know, want to get to the outcome and get to it quickly. And it sounds like you're really working to savour, to pause in those moments. There's a thing in leadership where they, they say, you know, that um, poor leaders vacillate and, you know, really good leaders uh, are known for really going in quick and, and they can summarise a situation really quickly and they can affect a solution. When, in fact, I think you know, a psychologically safe leader is almost the opposite of that. Um, so when people are seen, and that's where you need the courage or, the, or that's your vulnerability, is you say, actually, I'm not going to rush a solution here. So people go, oh, you know, like they, they sat on their hands, they didn't really do anything. Well, that's not true. We, a rush solution isn't always the, you know, people say any action is better than no action. No, <laughs> not necessarily. Yeah, it's interesting. I would say that even pausing and having that discussion is action. It's yeah. just, uh, it seems like a counterintuitive action at times. Mm. Yeah. You're absolutely right. But it, that, that idea of having the courage to say, I'm going to do that. And I know it's action because we're ruminating on it and we're thinking about it and we're doing it in a psychologically safe way. But people who are judging us or people that I want to be judged by are going to judge us a little bit harshly. Yeah. And, and their impression of me is going to go down a bit. Well, guess what? I mean, have the courage to actually put the right solution in for the yeah. right outcome. Yeah. Yeah. Back to that fearless, fearless leader. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Fantastic. And Phil, I think just to, to round us out with this discussion, can I ask what, if you had to change just one thing, if you had to focus in the next week, for instance, on one area um, or one activity, exercise, behaviour, whatever it might be for you to keep spearheading so psychological safety in your team or across your system organization environment what would it be culture just talk about culture all the time because culture almost seems to be a thing that you bring out every so often like it's a uh, some sort of um trophy and then shine it a little bit because it got a bit dusty and then put it back in the cabinet but have culture really as as part of our uh thing that we we bring out and we air every day so when we're making decisions, how is this decision we're about to make moving us towards psychological safety or away from psychological safety? So it's kind of like values, although don't get me started on values. It's a whole new podcast. But, you know, values are our um, non-negotiables that we never ever negotiate, uh, which is the opposite of psychological safety. So for me, culture, how... How are the decisions we're making? What is this decision I'm going to do today? Even if it's a really small one, moving us towards psychological safety or away from it. It's like almost like a touchstone that helps us with our decision making. What a great, what a great way to, what a great question. And, um, and as you say, yeah, <laughs> a great question for you to think about uh, as, you, as you move through those meetings. It's a good um, practice to have in play at all times. Bill? As always, it's such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing your wisdom and your insights. Really appreciate it. And no doubt we will have another conversation about values at some point soon. I would love that. And I love this, Sheila. Thank you very much.